day, everybody. Welcome to the Hogbeat Hour, brought to you by the Rivals Network and Hogbeat.com, the Arkansas site in the Rivals Network. I'm Nikki Chavanel here with Andrew Hutchinson. It is the last week of the regular season. I am excited that it is, you know, wrapping up because hoops have started and it gets a little overwhelming, but uh, Ragerbacks, welcome number one, Alabama, for the eighth time since 2005. Uh, it's going to be an interesting one. The line is currently set at minus 32 for Alabama. Hutch, what are you thinking about this one? Just general thoughts. It's uh, not going to be pretty, uh, I have a feeling. Uh, Arkansas has definitely improved from the last couple of years, uh, but they are still nowhere close to the level of Alabama, which might be on a whole nother level than, than what, it's, what it usually is. I mean, they are fantastic on offense. I mean, just I mean, pick your poison. I mean, you want to get beat by Najee Harris on the ground or you want to get beat by Mac Jones and Devontae Smith through the air. I mean, it, it's just not going to be uh, easy for Arkansas to stop those guys. And then it's going to be tough to move the ball. Their, their defense has given up a few more yards than usual, uh, but still not allowing very many points. So uh, the 31 or 32 point spread sounds about right. Which is crazy because, you know, Arkansas won three SEC games this season, you know, more than they have since 2016 but the spread is the same as it was last year, a little bit better than the year before that and, and a little bit better than the year before that, but still nowhere in like, you know, the respectable zone that, that I would say. So um, it, I don't see that as an indictment against Arkansas. I see that as a compliment to Alabama and just how good they've been this year. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole goal this year for Arkansas was to, to close the gap between itself and the other similar programs in the conference, the Mississippi schools, the Missouris, uh, Tennessee even. I mean, th that was kind of the goal, and they did that. I mean, they beat the two Mississippi schools. They beat Tennessee, had a chance to beat Missouri, had a chance to beat LSU, even Auburn. Uh, I don't think anyone was expecting Arkansas to come in and, and be competitive against the likes of Alabama, Florida, Georgia, even a Texas A&M this year, which is, you know, still knocking on the door of, the college football playoff in New Year's Six. So uh, they it's mission accomplished in that regard, but it's still going to take some time for, for Arkansas to, to get where they could even really compete with Alabama. And it might not happen until Nick Saban decides to hang it up. Now, Arkansas did have a boost in their offense last week, um, and that was with K.J. Jefferson. So that was a big surprise when I saw, you know, Felipe Franks wasn't going to start last minute. Uh, they, they just announced it on the broadcast before the Missouri game. Uh, I was like, oh, man, this could be pretty rough. And that's because we just hadn't seen very much of K.J. Jefferson. It was a very small sample size. In the beginning of the game, he didn't look that good. And then he really started to um, clean it up. So um, the fact that they, you know, put up over 500 yards of offense and finally, you know, scored – a bunch of points like that to me is progress, but I feel like it's uh, it's gonna fizzle this week. Yeah, I mean it, it was definitely encouraging to see that from KJ. Uh, like you, whenever they made the announcement that Felipe wasn't gonna be able to play, I didn't have a good feeling about it. Then they went three and out on the first possession. I even uh, put it on Twitter that you know this could be a long game for Arkansas. And, 
I was definitely wrong and I was glad to be wrong because it was it was an exciting game to watch even though it didn't turn out the way Arkansas fans had hoped but it was definitely encouraging kind of gave us a glimpse of the future with Arkansas with you know not only KJ playing really well but Traylon Smith had 172 yards rushing you know he'll probably be the number one guy next year uh, Traylon Burks is an absolute stud 206 receiving yards uh, he's going to be back next year. So just a, a really good kind of glimpse of what the offense could be next year. But I don't expect to see 48 points against Alabama, that's for sure. It's unfortunate because if KJ does have to start um, against Bama, which right now at this point we don't know either way, um, I haven't heard much um, – as far as practice reports go and how Felipe Franks is, has looked, I imagine they're attempting to split reps as much as possible to give, you know, KJ as, as much of an opportunity to play well if he does have to start. Uh, but I don't like what that might do for Jefferson's confidence and then just how fans will respond. Because I think even, even if he looks bad against a really good Alabama team, people are going to bag on him quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, the perfect example of this actually happened in 2013, or wait, no, it was actually 2012, my bad, when Brandon Allen was forced to start as a redshirt freshman against an Alabama team. I, I think they were number one at the time. I mean, it, you know, probably got about a 50-50 chance on that. Uh, but he, he had to start with Tyler Wilson being injured, and it did not go well. Arkansas lost 52 to nothing. Brandon got knocked around a little bit. He didn't you know, have a very good game statistically. And really, in my opinion, I think that may have hurt his confidence a little bit because he also had played a little bit and struggled in the previous game when Arkansas got upset by ULM. Uh, that may have been a, even a more contributing factor, but it definitely didn't help when you have that happen. And then you really struggle against Alabama the next week. It kind of hurt his confidence. I think it took him you know, a year and a half, two years before he finally got to where, you know, second half of the senior season was arguably the best stretch of quarterback play we've ever seen at Arkansas. So uh, you hope that doesn't happen to KJ. Maybe, you know, the, the confidence he got from Missouri will outweigh any type of negative impact of the Alabama game. Uh, but you do have that kind of concern uh, with a young quarterback like that going up against a team like, Alabama of course he did start against LSU last year when they were number one so didn't seem to affect him last week you know I guess we'll see moving forward how, how it affects him uh, after this game I mean if if Jefferson hadn't started against Missouri um, with the two quarterbacks that they have coming in in the 2021 class I had a feeling that you know he might opt to transfer out to see if there was somewhere where he could start right away um, but after his performance, it seems very much like we are going to have a very competitive quarterback competition uh, this offseason. And we love those, don't we? <laughs> exactly. Gives us lots to talk about, get people excited. Always fun. Uh, but what kind of sucks is that normally, I mean, we would get to see like what's going on during the season at practice as, as little as we get to see. I feel like I just don't know at, at all how Malik Hornsby is doing. No, I mean, we, we've gotten to see him exactly one time this year. It was in the Auburn game for a whole two snaps. Uh, they, they put him in there near the goal line, ran a couple of plays. Didn't go exactly, you know, very well, but what do you expect when you throw in a 
true freshman quarterback near the goal line in a big game against a ranked team like that. I wasn't expecting very much. He didn't do very much. And, and yeah, I mean, who knows how he's developed? I mean, honestly, I didn't know how KJ had been developing throughout the year until we saw him against Missouri. And we, we got to see him a little bit, you know, garbage time against Georgia at the beginning of the year and against Florida. Uh, I think he had a, a rushing touchdown in that game. So, I mean, you, you saw very kind of, you know, brief glimpses, but not enough to know, is this guy capable of, of being a starting quarterback for Arkansas or competing for the starting quarterback job? Uh, we'll have to wait and see if, if Malik Hornsby is, is a guy that can, can push him for that or if it's just going to be KJ. I mean, we, we ho- hopefully we get to watch a little bit of spring ball, and hopefully there is a spring ball with, you know, who knows what the virus is like here in a few months. I'm just wondering, like, how far behind Hornsby was from Jefferson when they were, you know, deciding who would play um, instead of Franks. Like, because Hornsby did go in that one game to, uh, in the red zone, I was wondering maybe if at that time they were in between the two as, as you know, the backup. Um, but obviously Jefferson has, has superseded him. So, um I don't know. I guess I guess we'll see this spring. That's that's all we know for sure is that there will be a quarterback battle and uh, Lucas Coley will be an early enrollee. So he'll be involved in the spring um, as well. As quarterback talk goes, uh, Mac Jones, I mean, we saw what he could do when he came um, and played Arkansas or or was it on the road last year? He was down in Tuscaloosa last yeah, year. Yeah, down in Tuscaloosa last year, Mac Jones put it on the Razorbacks. And no, that wasn't a good team, but it was clear that that guy was going to be good. And I saw a tweet from Pro Football Focus that showed uh, Joe Burrow's improvement from la- like 2018 to 2019. And Mac Jones has improved even more than Joe Burrow did in in the span of one year he's just incredible 75 percent completions only three picks this year there's just not a whole lot of flaws in his game no there isn't and, and it helps that he has so many tremendous weapons around him uh you know I think you know you or me could look decent throwing to Devontae Smith because that dude just gets open and, and if you put it anywhere near him he'll catch it and then you've also got the you know the running threat out of the backfield you gotta you gotta be honest you can't just, you know, put all the defensive backs out there because otherwise Najee Harris is going to tear you up. So it, it's just such a really good offense that, that Mac Jones plays perfectly. Uh, and, you know, they've got all sorts of other receivers. Uh, you know, obviously losing Jalen Waddell early in the year hurt them, but they've got other four- and five-star guys to step in and, and replace them. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what Mac looks like in person. You know, I've got a Heisman vote, and I still haven't decided who I'm going to vote for. I saw what Kyle Trask can do whenever he torched Arkansas. Uh, do Kyle I, Pitts. I, well, Kyle Pitts, man, that, that guy, I mean, you know, he, he has been incredible. I'm, I'm honestly considering maybe Devontae Smith getting one of my votes. I mean, maybe not my first place vote, but, you know, he, uh, doing what he's done at receiver, he is just absolutely incredible. So, yeah, I'm, I'm anxious to see what they look like and get an up-close, in-person view of these guys so I know what to do uh, when, I, when I submit my Heisman ballot. It's Alabama, so you already know they have a good offensive line. They have good players at every position. But when you hear Sam Pittman, the offensive line guru, say this is the best offensive line he's maybe ever seen, 
Oh, that makes you worry. I mean, what can Barry Odom do when the defensive line is not getting pressure on Mac Jones? It's it's going to limit the scheme a lot, I think. Well, I mean, we've seen what teams can do against Arkansas when they can't get pressure, and it doesn't go well for Arkansas. I mean, that was one reason that Missouri had so much success against them last last week with uh, Connor Bazelak, and he's nowhere close to, to Mac Jones, and they don't have anywhere close to the weapons that receiver that Alabama has. So uh, I don't know what they're going to have to do but they're, they're going to need to find a way to get at least some pressure on them or they're going to have to do something crazy and creative. Who knows what they're going to have to do. But it, it's uh, – I'm glad I'm not the one having to come up with a plan because I, I honestly have no idea how you stop this Alabama offense. I mean, no one has. And Arkansas, while improved, does not have the best defense in the SEC. And, I mean, I feel pretty comfortable sharing this at, at this point. It sounds like Julius Coates, who had his best game against Missouri, is not with the team anymore. He wasn't at practice the first couple of days of the week, and then I heard that, you know, they were trying to bring his mom down here to talk to him. So that's not good. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, Dorian Gerald has already, like, had to minimally participate and – um, does Matteo Solis still have the cast on his hand? I don't, I don't know. I, I can't think, remember. I think, I'm pretty sure he's been playing with the cast all year. I mean, at least Eric Gregory has shown a lot of good stuff this year, but like it, I don't know. That's, that's going to be really tough because Julius Coates, I thought was going to be, you know, a potential NFL player after, after a couple years here. Yeah. I mean, I, I expected Coates. I, I don't think it was going to make a difference this weekend. Uh, regardless. No, probably but, not. <laughs> <laughs> but I was thinking that Coach next year would be a really solid player for Arkansas. I mean, that's what you usually see out of junior college kids. I mean, Martrell Spate comes to mind, the linebacker who didn't really make hardly any tackles his first year here out of JUCO. And then by his second year out of JUCO, he was a all SEC linebacker. Uh, you see that happen with with other Juco guys that it takes a little bit to adjust. And we even saw it with Rakeem Boyd got kind of a slow start his first year before coming on strong and then exploding last year. So uh, I was really expecting something similar to that out of Julius Coates. Cause he does, I mean, he looks the part. I mean, I, during the limited time we got to watch uh, during fall camp, uh, I was on the sideline one point watching the defensive linemen and Julius Coates kind of walked by me and you're just like, Oh my God, goodness this guy is a large human being so if if he's not able to come back and play next year for Arkansas that, that would be pretty disappointing because I, I liked his potential um other stuff that could impact the game I mean not the not the outcome probably but you know little things uh, Grant Morgan um I mean Sam Pittman's not giving us much but it sounds like from what I've heard that we won't see him on Saturday which is obviously a huge loss in the so middle of Arkansas's defense. So disappointing because, I mean, the guy, you love to watch him play. I mean, and plus, I mean, he's a guy that loves Arkansas, former walk-on, great story, uh, and leading the country in tackles. Uh, probably won't be leading the country in tackles after this week as other teams play, and he doesn't. That's really disappointing. I mean, he, he had a chance – you know, if he hadn't gotten hurt against Missouri and was able to play the rest of that game, play this game, play a bowl game, who knows what his status is for a potential bowl game. But 
he was looking like he was going to have an all-time great season for an Arkansas linebacker. And I don't think anybody expected that. I mean, some people you may have thought, okay, he can be a starting linebacker and be okay for Arkansas. But I don't know of anybody other than maybe himself, maybe his brother and his family. But I don't know if anyone thought he would have been a, I mean, in my opinion, a first-team All-SEC linebacker. I mean, that's just incredible. So I'm, I'm just – I'm heartbroken for him that, that he had that injury when he did uh, and had to watch from the sideline as his team gave up 27 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, just just really, really tough. Um, Monteric Brown, cornerback, was also banged up against Missouri. I hear that he will start, um, but, you know, who knows how many snaps he'll be able to, to get. Uh, not good. Just not good news for the Razorback defense going up against – this Alabama offense that's just incredible um we're gonna have to see some players step up who goes in for Grant Morgan is it Hayden Henry is it Andrew Parker what do you think I would think Hayden Henry will at least start the game I think we see both of them it could be kind of a 50-50 split um you know I was just thinking about this the other day Arkansas's depth chart at middle linebacker is former two-star walk-on Grant Morgan followed by former blue shirt two-star Hayden Henry, followed by two-star Andrew Parker. Uh, meanwhile, Followed Alabama, by walk-on Jackson Woodard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it, compared to Alabama, who starts their middle linebacker, is former number one overall recruit Dylan Moses. So, uh, quite, quite the contrast there. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Um before we get to the break, one last thing. One of the hottest topics of the week since the Missouri game has been Hudson Clark, and not for a good reason. I mean, he had a lot of hype. He had three picks. That is incredible. Um, but folks now are kind of thinking maybe that was a fluke. Maybe that was the scheme, put him in some good positions, made some good plays. But on the other hand, so I shared a stat that, you know, he's the most targeted cornerback on Arkansas's team and in all of the SEC along with uh, a South Carolina cornerback and then an Alabama cornerback, corner uh, Malachi Moore, I believe. Um, and he's only given up two touchdowns, which is actually pretty incredible given he's been targeted 48 times. He has a really high number of tackles. He led the team last week, actually. So on one hand, not very good. But on the other hand, he has done better given how much teams are going after him. Um, and, of course, with every team having at least two really good wide receivers, you're going to have one of the best targets on him every game. See, the thing with Hudson Clark, I mean, it, one, it's a great story for one. I mean, walk on, three interceptions in a game, helps Arkansas, you know, beat Ole Miss. I mean, that incredible. He 100% deserves the scholarship that Sam Pittman has set aside for him. Not going to argue that or dispute that. He could never make another play for Arkansas again, and I would say he, he earned his scholarship with that performance. We've seen people get scholarships for less. And not, yeah, get scholarships out of high school and then never play. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it. So that, that said, he has 100% definitely struggled since that point. I mean, he, yes, he has been targeted a lot and he may not give up a lot of touchdowns, 
So, I mean, I guess he deserves credit for he gives up the reception and then makes the tackle. He's a sure tackler, uh, which that is something to be said. You know, not everyone on Arkansas's defense is a sure tackler. Uh, but still, you need to be better in, in coverage. I mean, you, you look at the pro football focus grades. He's the uh, – I, th- I want to say he was the second lowest graded corner in the SEC uh, since that uh, Ole Miss game. Uh, up until that point, even before that game, you know, he'd been playing really well, graded out one of the top, top few corners in the conference over that span. But uh, not <laughs> – not very good since then. Now, the other thing is, is who are you going to put in there for him? I mean, you've got Kari Johnson, the two-star true freshman who has done okay, uh, not spectacular. Uh, you've got uh, Monteric Brown on the other side starting and backing him up as Malik Chavis, a redshirt freshman, uh, still, still pretty raw athlete, in my opinion, at this point of his career, coming from a small Arkansas town. So, not exactly a whole lot of options. Uh, you really wish you had a Charkez McClellan or a Jerry Jacobs to, to turn to at this point, but I you would give don't have those guys. at least $20 to see Jarquez McClellan out there going, you know, with the hands, like, <laughs> like the, like the no catch, even though he does absolutely nothing. <laughs> He's exactly. just like run by, I, I would give a lot to see that right now. It's just, yeah, you can, you can hate on Hudson Clark all you want, but it is, uh, pretty sad the the state of the cornerback depth and um if i i've heard from someone uh this week that they may go with just one corner on the field this weekend so i don't know we'll see they like their safeties a little bit more right now i guess yeah i mean the safeties have have certainly played better obviously Jalen catalan but you got miles mason as a backup you can maybe put in there or Miles Slusher, Miles Slusher, you know, along with Joe Fouché, the other starter. I mean, who the heck knows? Barry Odom's going to have to get creative because I don't think you're going to beat or even be competitive with Alabama with a a traditional defense. All right, Hutch, there were um, a long list of award kind of recipients this week. Let's start with Jalen Catalan, who was named one of just 12 uh, semifinalists for the Jim Thorpe Award, which honors the best defensive back in college football. That is incredible. I mean, I mean, I know that by our standards as, as we're over here in, in Northwest Arkansas, like we all, we all love Jalen Catalan. He is great on and off the field. Uh, but for the Jim Thorpe Award to recognize him as just one of 12, that is amazing to me. Yeah, I mean, that, that's fantastic, especially if you actually look at the list of names. He's one of three players in the SEC that are uh, named the semifinalist, and the other two are corners. So by deductive reasoning, you can say Jalen Catalan is the number one safety in the SEC. That is absolutely incredible. I mean, I think you and I were both really high on, on Jalen before the season. We both thought he was uh, had the potential to be very, very good. But I think he's gotten better quicker than we could have ever imagined. Uh, because, I mean, I, I, I thought he was maybe a, you know, an all-SEC kind of talent. Didn't know if he'd get there this year. But uh, I think, without a doubt, he should be a first-team all-SEC safety. And that is incredible. I mean, Arkansas hasn't had a safety like that. I mean, I'm trying to think. I mean, maybe in a decade, uh, 
Tremaine Thomas, maybe, or I, I think that's the name I'm thinking of, who had a, a bunch of interceptions back in the early 2010s. So Arkansas doesn't have a lot of safeties throughout, you know, in recent memory. Uh, you really have to go back to, you know, Ken Hamlin in the early 2000s, you know, maybe Steve Atwater in the late 80s. Those are the two names that, that most Arkansas fans who've been watching him for a long time have, have kind of compared him to. Uh, just the way he plays, he hits hard. Obviously, that's gotten him into a little bit of trouble with targeting, uh, one of which was very questionable uh, that I still argue is, is BS, but, you know, that, that's in the past now. Uh, but, I mean, his, his impact is definitely felt on Arkansas's defense. When he's not out there, Arkansas tends to, to struggle a little bit. To give everyone kind of a flashback into Jalen Catalan's recruitment, I mean, he might be the single greatest thing Chad Morris did for the Arkansas football program. And that's not even being facetious, really. Like, that it, – it really is the truth. So – when Jalen Catalan was a recruit and Chad Morris was coming in from SMU, I was told the number one or the very first recruit he threw up on the big board, which if you follow recruiting, you know, it's, you know, it's a big old white board and it has little plaques that are magnetic and you can literally throw <laughs> recruits up on the board and they'll stick was Jalen Catalan at Mansfield legacy. Um, being a Highland Park dad, uh, Chad Morris had seen Jalen Catalan playing at Mansfield Legacy and knew that he was one of the best prospects he could possibly go after. But, you know, you don't just throw it up there and then hope that you get him. I mean, Catalan was very much headed towards Texas. Like, that was almost universally agreed upon. It seemed like it was definitely going to happen. But, through, you know, lots of hard recruiting, plus, uh, you know, Chad Morris also recruited Torian Carter and Enoch Jackson, who were two of his best friends. When two of your best friends are signing with Arkansas, it's very hard uh, not to also go there. And then I believe Chad Morris's sister was a basketball coach at Mansfield Legacy, and Mark Smith, who uh, was his lead recruiter, um, was at the school all the time. Like, it was just a perfect situation. And like I said, the best thing Chad Morris has ever done for Arkansas. Um, it sucks, though, because because of, I don't know, leadership issues or whatever. Jalen will, unfortunately, not have as many games here at Arkansas when he ends up leaving for the NFL as he could have. Like, he could have played his whole freshman season, I think, even if he had been a little bumpy to start, you know, as a true freshman, I think he still would have played better than some of what we saw last year. It was a sheer level of incompetence by the previous staff not to play him more than they did. Not only that, even if they were dead set on redshirting him for some reason, they used, you know, you could play in, the, in as many as four games as a true freshman and maintain your redshirt year, uh, or any year, really, if you haven't used your redshirt. And so they used him, uh, I think in one game, they used him for a couple of kneel down snaps at the end of a game. They used him on one special teams play, I think kickoff coverage, I think against Kentucky. That burned another game, and I think he had another game where he only played uh, some kneel-down snaps, or maybe maybe one, I think two actual real snaps in the game, 
And then finally, his fourth game was against Western Kentucky when he actually played, you know, 20, 25, you know, a significant number of snaps. And, I mean, he balled out in that game. Uh, one of the few players that played well in that game. And they had to shut him down. Obviously, you know, come to find out he had a little bit of a shoulder injury. But why would you waste the games they did on kneel down snaps, a meaningless special team snap? It just did not make any sense to me. I asked Chad Morse about it. He gave a non-answer. Uh, I ripped him for it in a column. I mean, just just sheer incompetence to not get that guy on the field who could have been a difference in maybe potentially winning a game and keeping your job. I mean, just, just, just incompetence. Yeah. So even if, even if you know what's going to happen on Saturday, watch it for Jalen Catalan because there aren't going to be many more of these games left and you're going to want to savor that. Uh, moving on. Um, Grant Morgan was named for the Burlesworth. It was like a list of like 67, I think something like that. So, uh, but there's no one that exemplifies the Burlesworth quite like Grant Morgan. I mean, he's he's the perfect guy. I mean, just because, you know, Brandon Burlesworth obviously played at Arkansas. He was an Arkansas kid who, you know, turned down Division two schools to, to come walk on at Arkansas and eventually evolved into an all-SEC caliber player who, you know, got drafted in the NFL uh, before, obviously, his, his tragic death. But Grant Morgan has followed a very similar path. I mean, from a, a smaller school, Greenwood's, I guess you couldn't call Greenwood a small school. I mean, they're 6A in, in Arkansas. But it's uh, Arkansas, but, so it's you know, a small school. Exactly. It's from Arkansas. Yeah, it is. Uh, so he, but he, he came here as a, as a walk-on, earned his scholarship, and now is playing at an all-SEC level. I did not go through the other 66 names or whatever it was on the list. Uh, but I can't imagine there are very many players that were former walk-ons that have had a better season than Grant Morgan. I fully expect him to be at least a finalist for that award. Uh, and, you know, once the finalists come out, I'll do a little bit more digging. But I, I would put his resume up against anybody's as a, a potential, you know, recipient of the Burlesworth Award, which would just be absolutely fantastic for an Arkansas kid to, to win that. If he doesn't make the finalist list, we are going to Birmingham and we are rioting. You heard it here first. I don't think we'd have to. Don't think we'd have to riot in Birmingham. I think the uh, the Burlesworth Foundation is actually here in oh, Arkansas, it. so I, I, it would be the upset of the century for him not to be a finalist. Uh, but if he wasn't for some reason, you can expect a scathing column uh, by myself on Hogbeat.com. <laughs> um, Bumper Pool this week was also given an honor he was named to I can't remember the whole name now but it's like the impact award and uh it's for performance on and off the field and if you just look at bumper pools stats it looks good right but then you dig a little deeper go over to pro football focus which we love if if you like deep analytics please join hogbeat because we bring it to you every single week even though it might not be what you want to see every week. Uh, Bumper, is is he the worst graded defender on the team, period? Or has Hudson Clark? I think so. <laughs> I don't think Hudson Clark's fallen quite okay. far enough. He's definitely the lowest graded starter, uh, but I'm pretty sure he leads the SEC in missed tackles. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That's, that's, and one of the – I think he may, might be tied for the national league 
in missed tackles. Not good. I wonder if we'll ever like talk to Coach Rhodes about something like that. Like what exactly? I mean, Bumper is a really great player. It doesn't make that much sense to me that he would miss so many tackles. I can't really understand it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure. I mean, because, I mean, on paper, he should be better than Grant Morgan. I mean, he was a four-star recruit. You know, lots of lots of teams are recruiting him. Uh, and he's started since almost day one, I want to say. Uh, and you would think that he would be you know, right up there with Grant in terms of, you know, pro football focus grades and stuff. But if you really watch him, you can see that he just isn't always – quite in the right spot, makes the right decisions. You know, Grant is such an instinctual player. I think that that really helps him. I don't know if Bumper is quite there, uh, but obviously that that's only, you know, part of the, you know, recognition for this award. Obviously you mentioned it also has to do with his off the field stuff. And by all accounts, he's a, a great dude and, and does some great things in the community, but uh, just not quite at the same level of, uh, of a Grant Morgan in terms of on the field play. And we, you know, we bag on him appropriately because of those missed tackles. But again, it is an indictment on the recruiting because the depth at linebacker is just so bad. And it doesn't make much sense because, okay, you have Zach Zymus, who was a four star. Um, You have some true freshmen that aren't even playing over a a walk-on Jackson Woodard got snaps before they did it's just it's it's worrisome um at least you know the two linebackers that they have committed in the 2021 class Marco Vaughn I mean he's he's gotten bigger I still think he'll need to put some more size on before he can contribute Christopher Paul does look the part of an SEC linebacker but we'll see you know it usually takes a little while to get used to the pace and the physicality of the SEC, but if they could find a transfer, not like a Levi Draper transfer who wasn't playing, uh, but a grad transfer who's just, you know, maybe ready to play at an SEC level or something like that, I would I would go for that guy immediately. Yeah, I mean, a, a grad transfer, uh, a regular transfer, a JUCO transfer, I mean, somebody that could potentially come in and, and make an immediate impact would be much, much needed a linebacker. Last thing, um, like a lot of fans were calling for towards the beginning of the season, uh, Barry Odom was named one of several nominees for the Broyles Award, awarded to the best assistant in college football. And then after we wrote about it, surprisingly, a lot of people were like, oh, no, he doesn't deserve it now. I'm like, okay. I still I mean, think he's done quite a bit with what he has to work with because as we've been talking about the roster isn't in fantastic shape. No, I mean, he's starting to walk on in, in Hudson Clark at the corner. You're starting a former walk on two star crew at middle linebacker and Grant Morgan, who granted has been amazing. You're starting all sorts of different guys that probably wouldn't start at, most other SEC schools. Now there's some granted, some really good spots. You know, Grant Morgan, Jalen Catalan, Jonathan Marshall is a guy that we haven't talked about, but has been fantastic and deserving of all SEC honors. Uh, but he, he has done a lot. And I mean, the defense, you look back at the wins Arkansas had, the defense is why Arkansas won those games. I mean, they, 
they they shut down the Mississippi State air raid right after they torched LSU, had six interceptions against Ole Miss. They held Tennessee to 13 points, uh, shut them out in the second half. Those those games you can put on the defense, and I think he's deserving of a nomination. I do not anticipate him being a finalist or even a semifinalist if they do that, uh, but why not? I mean, if, if you're going to pick an assistant in Arkansas staff to be a nominee, might as well be Barry Odom for what he's done. A lot of honors this week. Who knows how Arkansas will, will fare when it starts getting down to it in, in the finalists and stuff, but it's it's a change. It's a nice change to to see Arkansas players and even you know Coach Odom um, honored like that. It's, it's it's a change from last season. Hey everybody, we are back on the Hogbeat Hour. I am Nikki Chavanel, joined by Andrew Hutchinson and Jackson Collier. You guys, uh, five games in. I just want to get your initial impressions on this Razorback team, Jackson. I'll, I'll start with you. Uh, what have your what have your biggest takeaways been from you know how Musselman is trying to work out this rotation and what you've seen from how well they're working together? You know, coming into the year, we kind of expected with ten new players there might be some chemistry issues, and and I think Muss even hinted at that a little bit um, with some of the defensive lapses and and allowing some uh, some more points scored than than he might have liked. Um, but you do have these four really good freshmen who are really providing a lot early. Um, Moses Moody, everybody kind of expected to be a day one starter as soon as he got on campus, and he's done that. Um, he's the leading scorer on the team, one of the leading rebounders as a true freshman and as a guard, um, which is all really impressive stuff. But you have so many guys exceeding expectations, too. Um, Connor Vanover, especially, uh, right off the bat. I mean, he's almost averaging a double-double. He's at 10 points and almost nine rebounds. Um, there's one game he had 16 rebounds, and I think it was six points. So he's proven that he's more than just a shooter, um, which I think coming in, a lot of people kind of expected him to just be that five guy at 7-3 who can spread the floor but not necessarily uh, provide much in rebounding but can block some shots on the defensive end. Um, also, looking at Justin Smith, he's been another great addition uh, as a grad transfer. He's averaging it's, – it's early, but he's averaging more points this year than he ever has um, in his college career, um, 12.4 plus six rebounds uh, per game. So you're getting a lot of uh, different pieces contributing a good amount. Jalen Tate is another person, a uh, grad transfer – who is filling that Jimmy Witt type role, um, not scoring as much as Jimmy Witt did last year, but he also doesn't have as much of a, uh, a burden to score that Jimmy did last year. Uh, Vance Jackson is kind of quiet right now. Um, started off his first game, you know, four or five from the three-point line, I think was his uh, stat line there. But um, averaging close to six points, some of that's kind of inflated from the first game. He's always been kind of a streaky uh, kind of, shooter and I think that's just um, kind of his play style I think you're going to get hot and cold streaks from him of course we knew what to expect from Desi Sills he's doing everything that he's been known to do he's just being a bulldog defensively finishing at the rim and hitting outside shots J.D. Note is doing uh, much of the same stuff so it's just a, a lot of new pieces uh, pretty much 
the entire roster is new from the main rotation. You got 10 new players in it, but a lot of pieces are contributing at a high level. Hutch, when you uh, look at the rotation, who do you think loses minutes uh, once we get into SEC play? You know, it's, it's still really hard to tell because, you know, it's only five games in. They're not conference games. Two of them have been against SWAC opponents that you can honestly almost throw out those games, like Mississippi Valley and Southern, uh, almost, almost quasi-exhibition games for Arkansas. Um, but, uh, you know, I could see, uh, you know, Vance Jackson, you know, Jackson kind of talked about it. You know, he is kind of a streaky guy. He's a guy that could maybe give you, you know, 15 minutes in one game, but then the next game only give you five or something like that because, you know, they, Coach Musselman's going to figure out pretty early on, like, hey, does he have it or does he not this game? So I could see his minutes going down, and, and I'm going to be interested to see how J.D. Note uh, handles, you know, uh, Musselman was talking about it uh, in his uh, press conference today about, you know, is he going to be able to get better defensively? Uh, he's a guy that definitely he's, he's going to shoot it as soon as he steps in the gym. Uh, but can he do uh, play well enough on defense to, you know, warrant being out there on the floor? I think he's going to just because he is such a good scoring threat. Uh, but still, if, if he can't play good defense, then, then you could see his minutes go down as well. It's a good thing that J.D. Note was here last year and kind of got used to Musselman because, well, maybe that's why, but Musselman is not being uh, easy on him. He has repeatedly called him out in his play. Um, Jackson, are there, are there non-conference games coming up that you think will really give anyone an idea of, of what's to come in SEC play? I was going to say Tulsa, but obviously that was canceled and replaced with Southern. But I think a good uh, indicator will be the Abilene Christian game. Um, they have a really good head coach in Joe Golding. Uh, they took Texas Tech of the wire. I think it was last night. Um, held them to do a really low-scoring game. I know that's Chris Beard's game at Texas Tech, too. Uh, really good defensively low-scoring. But um, it, it was one of those games where Abilene just never went away. They, I think they ended up losing by 14, maybe 12. But you got to take into account this is only like their fifth or sixth year as a division one team. Um, and they, they started off this year uh, five and O before that Texas tech game, they're coming off back to back 20 win seasons. I really think if you, if you want a, a good mid major or lower major opponent going into conference play, especially for this sort of a season, Abilene Christian's going to be the, the best indicator for what we have left. Hutch, you, you know, the history of, the program. So what do you think uh, the level of excitement is for the UCA game on Saturday? Or is it, I don't know, it's not, it's not UALR. Um, I feel like fans would have been even more excited for a team like that. Well, I think Arkansas fans would have been most excited for Arkansas State because that's kind of been the, you know, I've seen them referred to as, you know, the little brothers in the Northeast uh, corner of the state. And so uh, that probably would have gotten people even more fired up, even if, UALR is probably the best of the other Division One programs in men's basketball, um, but I, I think people are excited about it. There's definitely more intrigue for this game rather than if it was just some random team from the Southlands. I mean, if they were playing McNeese State, I don't think anybody would care at all, uh, but UCA, it is an in-state school. Uh, it's the first time Arkansas has played a regular season game against an in-state school since 1950. So we're, we're going on 70 years now since that's happened. Obviously, there was an NIT matchup against Arkansas State in the 
the mid-'80s. I believe it was Nolan Richardson's second year that Arkansas won uh, by the skin of their teeth. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it is a it's a big deal, uh, and I think fans are, are are looking forward to it, and especially when you think on the fact that it's going to be played after what's likely going to be a massacre against Alabama in, in football. Uh, fans are going to be looking forward to something fun to watch. If you guys get on Hogbeat Jackson, we'll have coverage of Saturday's game. It's now at 7 p.m., not 11 a.m. So. Uh, you won't have a conflict watching the Arkansas football game, and I believe it is streamed once again on SEC Network Plus. Jackson, thank you. Hutch, coming up, we have a signing day preview. Stay tuned. With signing day coming up, things change by the minute. I just posted a new update on a defensive tackle prospect that I hadn't heard about in a while, and now he's back on the radar. So get on Hogbeat. Uh, you can get 30 days free with code H-A-W-G-S-30. Hutch signing day is just uh, eight. Nope, I'm wrong. Six days away now. Um, you know, the NLIs will start flying in. I'm excited. This, is, this has been a very, very relaxed class for me personally. Uh, not a lot of visits or hardly any at all. And just not a lot of surprises. So it's been good. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's exciting to have that uh, early signing date coming up. And I know it's still relatively young in its, you know, existence, this early signing date. I believe this is going to be the third year we've had it. Um, and I know a, a lot of a lot of kids signed during that period. I mean, of Arkansas's guys that are committed, though, I mean, how, how many kids should Arkansas fans expect to have, you know, signed during this period? And how much do you think Arkansas is going to have to do between – you know, December 16th and uh, the February traditional signing date. So um, from what it sounds like, I have only heard of one of the 19 commits who isn't um, planning to sign early. I think he's going to, you know, do a signing ceremony with, you know, other teammates and stuff um, in February. So that's Bryce Stevens, wide receiver. He was originally thinking maybe he could enroll early, so he was going to sign early, but now he is not planning to. But everyone else should be on the board and maybe a couple more. Um, Cameron Ball, defensive tackle out of Georgia, um, also plays offensive tackle. So, you know, doesn't work out on one side. Maybe he can switch. You see that pretty often. Um, he is, to my knowledge, just down to Arkansas and Georgia Tech. The only real question there is how comfortable will he feel committing and signing with a program uh, that he's never visited. They've done virtual visits. They even did an, an in-home virtual visit with him on Sunday, and that went well. But, you know, it's all about making him and his family feel comfortable making that choice. Um, I mentioned a defensive tackle back on the radar, Jalen Williams. He's at Jones County, actually Jones College. They don't call it Jones County anymore. Um, he is he's, – he's got several good offers, Georgia, Auburn, Ole Miss, Missouri, but I've been kind of going down the list of these other options, and, and Georgia's out, Auburn's out. Um, I, I'm not sure on Ole Miss. Missouri's not looking good. So um, I think – Arkansas might get a JUCO defensive tackle on Wednesday, which I didn't initially think was going to happen because, um, you know, they haven't played a season that might lead teams to avoid them because it's less evaluation that you have on, on them, um, less tape. 
but uh, they definitely need defensive tackles. So if he wants to sign, I would definitely uh, take him. And then another one that I know Arkansas fans will be excited about, Drayden Norwood. He has been committed to Texas A&M for quite a while. It was a bit of a surprise when he committed to them. Uh, the cornerback out of Fort, Fort Smith Northside. Um, I think he's one of the top-ranked players in the state this year. Uh, here he is uh, wavering and may pull a flip on signing day or maybe even before, but uh, the rumor started a couple weeks ago, and it's definitely, I think, trending in that direction. So uh, if Arkansas could get an in-state kid to flip from Texas A&M to Arkansas on signing day, that's the kind of splash that you're really looking for when you have your whole class basically figured out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's honestly been a while. I'm trying to think of some other guys that, you know, have, have kind of flipped and, and done it on signing day where it was like a true, you know, surprise. And you, we haven't really seen that very much at Arkansas the last several years. Usually it's the other way around. Arkansas's losing guys. Dominic uh, Johnson uh, last year, but he wasn't even on my radar at all. I saw uh, his, his signing video like posted by his dad and I was like, who is this? He was running, he was a running back committed to Missouri for a very long time. And I should have maybe put some thought into it, but he was, you know, he had his signing ceremony planned and everything. Like it was very much known that he was going to sign with Missouri. And then turns out they wanted him to play linebacker and he didn't like that and decided to flip to Arkansas. He, he like threw his Missouri hat off and, and, pulled out an Arkansas shirt it was it was dramatic but also no one really knew it was happening so unlike Drayden where we'll be paying attention because we have these little hints that was like a little anticlimactic that's true and, and that always always love that that national signing day drama uh, another great reason to get on hog beats uh, on on signing day but uh, I'm also curious too you know of the guys that are committed that we know for sure are are signing with Arkansas you know, how many of those guys are going to be significant contributors right away? I mean, in this last class, it's, it's really been Miles Slusher pretty much. I mean, there are a few other guys have played on, on special teams, but are, are there going to be more immediate contributors in this class, you think? So they have quite a few guys enrolling early, and that always uh, gives you more opportunity when I think like seven guys enrolled early in the 2019 class, Mateo Soli, Zach Williams, Trey Knox, um, Greg Brooks, not Devin Bush. He enrolled early, but he didn't contribute early. Um, like all those guys ended up getting a lot of early playing time and that's been good for them. So Keytron Jackson, wide receiver in the top 250, definitely looking for him to come in and contribute early, especially with, kind of how disappointing the wide receiver room has been. I mean, Traylon Burks and Mike Woods have carried that room on their back since Devion Warren got hurt. And so Keytron Jackson definitely would look to him. Even Jaden Wilson, the wide receiver out of DeSoto, he plays a lot of good competition. So with enrolling early, he might be a guy that could play early. Um, Christopher Paul, who I mentioned, uh, Pooh Paul, who I mentioned earlier in the show, the linebacker who's um, already like 235, so very much the, the size you're looking for from an SEC linebacker. But, you know, who knows what he looks like when he actually uh, gets in with other SEC players and what it looks like. Um, the offensive lineman, that I'm never really sure of. It, it can be hard to tell. It looks like just from a 
body composition perspective, um, all three uh, um, offensive linemen that they have, uh, Terry Wells, Cole Carson, and I am forgetting uh, um, Devin Manuel from Louisiana, all those guys, I could, I could see potential in them, but they won't need to contribute early necessarily, you know, as starters or anything like that, because I think they're going to get a lot of these offensive linemen um, back, maybe even including Myron Cunningham. Yeah, I'm also wondering, too, like, is, is there any, like, recruiting? You mentioned just a lot of the top guys right there. I mean, but if you had to pick out one that you maybe is, is kind of like your favorite sleeper pick, I mean, is there, a, is there a guy that you think that, hey, you know, he's not being looked at from these, you know, national analysts, he's not maybe rated the highest on all the recruiting services, but the guy that you think you like and, and it could be the potential to, to be a good player for Arkansas, either, you know, whether it be right away or, or down the line? Well, you obviously look at Lucas Coley, the quarterback um, out of San Antonio. He's a really young guy, so um... – he works with private quarterback coaches. I know that he's, um, you know, worked on fundamentals and everything. Um, and he's a very, very smart player. He coaches his teammates. He watches film with his teammates and uh, kind of breaks down what they need to be looking at. And that's something you like to see uh, from a quarterback. And he'll be here early and in the quarterback competition in the spring. Um, but then also Chase Lowry, who right now at Frisco High School is playing both ways, both um, wide receiver and corner where, where he'll be here at Arkansas. He's just really athletic, a fast guy, not too big, but uh, I just think he has a, a lot of talent and he, he likes to find that ball a whole lot. So uh, there's my sleeper pick. Um, we are wrapping up, guys. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. This is our first show back on the airwaves at, at ESPN Arkansas. So, so thank you to those folks. And uh, stay tuned on Hogbeat. You know, we got two games on Saturday, uh, 11 a.m., 7 p.m., and then signing day on Wednesday. So get on hogbeat.com. Thanks, everybody.